Okay, we are live. Okay, everyone. Um, welcome. Parsha in my live class, Parsha Bukhukaisa. Anybody that wants to sponsor this class, you are welcome to sponsor it. We don't have a sponsor yet. Post class, that'd be nice. Any birthday, yard site, any other special occasion. Machayim. This week is a very special week because we have Parshas Chazak. We're finishing the third book of the Torah. We're concluding the book, Sefer Vayikra, and we get to learn Parshas B'chukosai. Now, many years, Bahar B'chukosai go together, so not necessarily does the Parsha get enough attention. This year, it's two separate Parshas. In Israel, it's the next Parsha. It's already Bamidbar. Um, but for us, it's B'chukosai, and, but we, and we get to learn this Parsha. And B'chukosai is a very powerful Parsha. It's the, the reward telling us all what's going to be when Mashiach comes, the awesome blessings. And it has some intense stuff, talking about all the stuff that happened already in the exile that are very severe. It's called the Teichacha, the rebuke. It's pretty horrific. It's good to know that we're kind of past it. And uh, we survived and we're intact. Like the Pasuk says, God says, we're going to remain intact. Um, yeah, so one of the verses mentioned in the beginning of the parsha. Here it is, talking about um, all the blessings that are going to happen. So this is the last word in the in the blessings. After this starts the opposite of the blessings, which we know, according to the mystical idea, is that that's also blessings, but those are hidden blessings, disguised blessings. But these are the revealed blessings. And as Mepharshim say that most of these blessings are referring to the time when we when we achieve ultimate ultimate status in this world. In the time of the Beis HaMikdash, there will be peace in the land. Shem says, I will change the nature of the animals. Um, they, won't, they won't be uh, predatory anymore. They won't be harmful anymore. And so on and so forth. Over the last words over here, it says, Hashem. This is in Pasuk Perek Chavav, chapter 26. And this is in Leviticus, chapter 26, of verse 13. It says, and I will break. Again, this word, this verse can be read as a reference to what happened already or what is going to happen. Because the Pasuk says, let me read the whole verse. The verse says, I am God, your God, that took you out of Egypt. I am, I, I, I am God, your God, that took you out of Egypt. From to be to them slaves. The Ejbar and I broke Moitois Ulchem, the, the staff of your yoke. Like a, a yoke has a staff, a stick to it, a bar, which is on a yoke of a neck of a, of a slave or of an of, of a ox or something. So that's referring to the yoke of exile. God says, I have broken it. And I led you out of Egypt. That's if we read the Pasik, the verse referring to the past. We can also read that the, these last uh, uh, um, uh, um, words of the Pasuk is referring to the future. The Eshbar, I will break, referring to, Hashem says, I will break all yokes, all, all servitude, all subjugation. And we have, whether it's um, subjugation to some external force. Sadly, today, most of our exiles are not to external forces, but internal forces. We are, sometimes we can be enslaved to dark elements within ourselves and which we can't get out of. And the idea is Hashem says, I will break it finally. You'll be a free human being to live a godly life. 
In any case, and then what is the last words? I will lead you in an upright posture. So the sages say about this that this is a in, this is actually telling us about the enormous height that people will reach in the future. We will become much, much, much taller. It's a passage in the Talmud. The Talmud is in two places. Tractate Sanhedrin and Tractate Baba Basra. Tractate Sanhedrin, I think it's on page Kuf, Daf Kuf, which means page 100. And in Tractate Baba Basra, the one I will be reading from, it's on page 75, Ayin Hey Amad Av. So the Gemara brings over here. I will lead you with an upright posture. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, Mosayim Amo. What's going to be the height? And God says, I will lead you up to a height. You will be 200 cubits tall. Where does he derive it? The height of the human being of the future will be 200 cubits tall. Let's assume that a cubit is around 18 inches. So 200 cubits, which means a foot and a half, is about 300 feet. We'll make LeBron James and all these guys look like little midgets. And that's going to be the height of the future. Why? Because Adam, Adam, the first human being, he was 100 cubits tall after the sin. Initially, it says his height would reach the reached 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 the the, the the you know the sun, the enormous tall. Then God shrunk him, but even after he was shrunken, he was still a hundred cubits tall. Three hundred was a giant. So, when it says, "I will lead you," now here's the thing: "Komemios" means like up and tall in your full height. The full height of who? So if we're thinking about the full height of someone, so we're not talking about the normal height of today. We're talking about the the the, the original height of man of man. And the original human height was 100 cubits. But as the Mepharshim say, since it says koimimiyus, which is either because there's two mems, that's how the Rajbam learns, one of the commentators on the uh, on the Gemara. The Rajban learned, since there is two mems in the word, koim means height. Koim mem mi is as if it would say two times koim. Koim koim, which means height, height. So it's not Adam, the height of Adam. It's double Adam, double Adam Arishan. So Adam Arishan is 100 cubits. We will be 200 cubits tall. Or the Marsha learns, one of the other commentators, that it's because it uses in the plural. If it would be singular, it would be with an extra vav. The extra vav. Vav makes it into plural. So I will lead you into heights, plural heights. So from the plural heights, we learn plural. When we don't know how many, it's at least two. So it's two heights of Adam. So the future structure of the height of the human being will be 200 cubits. And the Gemara says, like twice the height of Adam Arishon, um, the first human being. 
Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, that's one opinion. That's Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda says, Meir Amma. No, only 100 cubits tall. Rabbi Meir says 200 cubits. Rabbi Yehuda reduces it to half that. One, 100 cubits, meaning equal to the height of Adam. But Rabbi Yehuda says, how do you know that? Corresponding to the height of the temple. Heichal is the temple. The, the, the second temple, and the second temple was 100 cubits tall from the outside. The inside room was less than that, only 40 cubits tall. But from the outside, look standing outside of the temple and looking up to the roof of the sanctuary in the temple, in the second temple. First temple was shorter, but I think only 70 cubits tall. Second temple was 100 cubits tall. Um, and the third temple the, in, in, in Yecheskel, in Ezekiel, it doesn't say... So we assume that all those things that it doesn't say by the second temple, by the third temple, any explicit um, difference, differentiation than the second temple, then we assume that those elements are going to be equal to the second temple. That's what Maimonides says. Maimonides says that there are definitely a many changes in the third temple, which are going to be unique to the third temple, that were not. But those are the things that are explicitly stated in Ezekiel, in Yecheskel, when it describes the shape and the form of the third base of English. But those areas where it doesn't, Maimonides says the second temple and the third temple then are, are equal. So in that sense, the height, even though he doesn't say it explicitly regarding the height, but that's what we can derive from. So says the Rebbe. We can derive that the third temple will be um, 100 cubits tall as well. So that's what Rabbi Yehuda says. The height of the human being in the future will be 100 cubits like the height of the temple. Shanema, now that's a bit, it creates a problem. What's the problem? How will the human being go into the temple if he's just as tall as the temple? That's a good question. I didn't think of it till I'm giving the class right now. But we're gonna we're gonna have to deal with that. Shanema, you know, you know, we're not gonna deal with that now. <laughs> Maybe another week because I don't have the answer. Now, let's, let's step back a minute. So we're having over here an argument, especially according to Remeyer. According to Remeyer, the human height is going to be 200 feet tall. And he's got a temple that's only 100, not 200 feet, 200 cubits. Um, please don't bother, let this, this question bother you because I want you to listen to the rest of the class and not be thinking about this, okay? So just erase this question from your head. And let's just focus back. So there's an argument earlier in the Talmud if a human height is going to be two, uh, um, 200 cubits tall, twice the height of Adam Arishon or 100 cubits. Now, I want to stop a minute here. Does this mean that suddenly the shofar will blow, Mashiach is here, and we will all shoot up? <laughs> so what are we going to do with our pants? Like, what's going to happen? Uh, <laughs> it's going to really be weird. So the pastors on the simple, it, 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 we're, we're talking about the people that are going to be bo born or created after the resurrection. We're talking about this is the post-resurrection. This is the future. Not when Mashiach comes. This is at the time of the resurrection. And God is re going to recreate the human being. And as the Marsha says, a very interesting thing. The Marsha says, you know, Rebbe Mayer. Where does Rebbe Mayer know that the heights 
that we're going to be 200 cubits tall. What does he know? Because the verse says, I will lead you, which means double height. See, it, means in the, in, it says it in the plural. It means double height. Yeah, but how do you know? Maybe double height of what we are today. What are we today? You know, from people, some people shorter, five feet tall, six, some people almost seven feet tall. So double that. So the tall people will be 14 feet tall and shorter ones will be, you know, 10 feet tall. Where do you take 100? 100 cubits, which is 100, which is, uh, which would be, uh, um, 100 cubits would be 150 feet tall or 300 feet tall. Where do we get that? So then we're saying it's twice the height of Adam. The Pasuk doesn't mention Adam over here. Where do we have Adam mentioned? It doesn't mention anywhere in the Pasuk. So the Marsha says it, that, that we don't need a verse for. That we know that we're going to be at least as tall as Adam. Why? Because we know when God created the world, he created it in a, in a pretty perfect state. But as perfect as the world was when God created it, it will not have reached the perfection like it's going to be when the world would is going to be perfect, perfect after we're done fixing it. After the long, difficult, and, and laborous, painful um, work of mankind to, to elevate the world, which involved sin and fall and all that, but all that is part of a journey. And when we're going to reach the ultimate world, which is going to be post resurrection it cannot be and since god is going to be recreated we're not dealing with a miracle of us growing into that height we're talking about god recreating the human being that world is not going to be any less than the perfection of this world and since in this world adam was 100 feet so that's for sure going to be i mean 100 cubits for sure it's going to be 100 cubits the only question i have on that which we can ask immediately is that the 100 feet was not Adam when he was in his glory. That was Adam after post-glory, after Hashem shrunk him. Before that, he was even way taller. If we're going to say the world is going to go back to its ultimate perfection, then it should go back to the state of Adam before the sin. That's a question that I put out to everybody over here. Um, you, go, you can uh, research and give me the answer. I don't have the answer to that. So we have already two problems. Two, two questions for homework today. One of them is how are we going to go into the temple if the temple is only going to be 100 cubits tall? And uh, the second question is why, if we're saying that we're going to be at least as perfect as we were at the onset of creation, then we should be as tall as we were before the sin. But the marshal doesn't address that, and he just says, if the, human was a, the perfect human was 100 cubits then, then we're going to be at least that. Now, but then the verse says, use double, twice height so from there we know it's not going to be one time the height of adam it's going to be twice the height of Adam. that's again according to rabbi Meir. rabbi yehuda says that the height of the human being is going to be 100 cubits now i'm going to stop right over here and say obviously we understand that the physical height is a reflection of spiritual stature the main idea over here is the spiritual stature but the physical body is just facilitating the quality of the soul, the energy of the soul. A bigger body is standing for a greater soul capacity. Doesn't mean today that necessarily big people with big bodies have greater soul quality and more powerful souls than short people or people with uh, people that are petite and small. Not necessary. Obviously, 
obviously the spirituality is not measured by that. That's within the general realm of human height today. But when we're speaking, when Mashiach will come, we will suddenly become immeasurably taller. We can understand that the necessity for that is because a greater light, a greater vessel, a greater container. So the, the, and the quality that we're going to reach then, according to Rabbi Yehuda, is 100. According to Rabbi Meir, it's 200 cubits. Now we're going to see soon that everything is going to be flipped over. And the time we're going to get to the end of the class, we're going to realize it's not so simple. Because according to the way I'm, we're understanding it right now, Rabbi Meir's opinion is superior to Rabbi Yehuda. Because Rabbi Meir is giving the human being 200 cubits of height which we, again, not, not only physically tall, but spiritually as well. Arab Yehuda is only giving the human being equal height to Adam, which is only 100 cubits, which would mean that Rabbi Yehuda's uh, level of understanding of the attainment of the human, the human level, the, the level of humanity in the days of the post-Mashiach days is only half of what Rabbi Meir. We're soon going to see it's not so simple. I'm going to see that it's quite possible Rabbi Yehuda is way, 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 way deeper in what he is saying than Rabbi Meir. But we're going to get to that. Let's first see what we learn over here. Again, we have an argument over here, 200 cubits or 100 cubits. Where does Rabbi Yehuda say? How does he know that? He says, corresponding to the height of the temple. Okay. Now, why in the world are you comparing the human being to the height of the temple? Where do we get that from? It's a verse in Psalms, in Tehillim. Shanema, in Tehillim it says, this is in oh, do, 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 do. verse uh, uh, Psalm 144, Kapitel Kuf Mem Dal, verse number 12. It says, Our sons are like young trees, young saplings, Megudalim that are nurtured from their youth referring to the future of what the children are going to be like our children are going to be by that time I guess we're going to be over the crisis with the baby formula right so we're going to have there's not going to be problems going to be all the young are going to be nurtured without a problem and they're going to be migudalem binudayam they're going to be full full height growing from their youth and then it says, B'noiseinu, our daughters, that's referring to the boys. B'noiseinu, our daughters, Kizaviyos, like the cornerstones, M'chutavos, crafted, crafted Tavnas Heichal in the form of the, of the Heichal, of the temple. So it's referring to our children, particularly the girls, that they are going to be crafted in the form of the temple. So here, Rabbi Yehuda says, if it says, it, if it compares the girls to the temple, the children, and again, the girls to the temple, means that just like the temple, the height is 100 cubits, so too, this is also going to be, going to be 100 cubits. That's how Rabbi Yehuda knows that that's going to be the height. Okay. That's the argument in the Talmud again, and as I mentioned to you, this, this passage of the Gemara is to be found in two places, in Masechtas Baba Basra, and also in Masechtas Sanhedrin. So let me share with you first a cool... Very, very just, you know, amusing insight from Remeya Yechiel of Ostrovts. He was a great genius uh, living in Poland before the war, the Ostrovts Rebbe. And he has like these very, very, very 
genius calculations always. And it's, it's what we call real Polish Torah. It's, it's the type of Torah that I usually don't share with you. It's usually taking different Midrashic elements and finding like things that don't make any sense and then coming up with a brilliant type of account, mathematical calculation, pulling from like 50 different places that we would think are unrelated. And then the time you're done with it, your head is spinning. And he was able to take like the most, in other words, we're able to take these most random statements that seem not to have one, anything to do with the other, and then show how they're all connected and why when you add A plus B plus C plus D, plus all these together, and then you'll arrive at this stunning, um, and you read, it's literally fun learning it. It's, it's so entertaining because it's so far-fetched, <laughs> but yet he brings it together in such a phenomenal way. Um, so he has like hundreds of pieces like this. Here on this, he gives, thank God, this is a very short calculation. It's not too much. It's just four, four or five steps. Um, on this idea that the human height is going to be, at least according to Remeyer, 200 cubits. He says, what's the significance of that? Why? So he brings first, there is a question that's asked. We discussed it in the past as well. By the resurrection, all souls are coming down. Um, the question that we've dealt with is that since there are incarnations, many incarnations to one soul, so which body is going to get up? Is it be a resurrection? How can our answer that we gave, and this is the, 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 the Lubavitcher Rebbe's take on this, we discussed it, that all bodies belonging to one soul are all going to be resurrected from the same soul. How that's possible is not the discussion for tonight. Um, the the that's the question we've dealt with. He's like delving on the same kind of a question. He's basically saying, since there's only 600,000 Jewish souls, that's the amount of root souls, it says, that went out of Egypt, and that's the sub sum total of Jewish souls. If that's the case, it, it would seem like there's only 600,000 souls. So that would mean that every generation is really just a replay of those same souls. The generations are just the same souls coming again and again and again. So now it's not a problem because you can have these souls coming down again and again and again and again for many, 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 for many, many um, experiences down here in this world. The problem is by the resurrection, all the bodies are going to get up. Same kind of question. But there's going to be so many bodies for the same 600,000 souls. So what's going to be? How are, the, how are all these bodies going to have be enlivened by the same 600,000 souls? That's his question, same idea that we were talking about. <laughs> so he gives a very cool answer. And based on what we're saying over here, as we're going to see, starts off with the idea that um, the sages tell us that the world, the duration of time that God set for the creation is six days. Just like there's six days that God created the world in six literal days. So there, the, the world is, by God, a thousand years is a day. It's a verse in Tehillim. I'm sorry. Like to you, Hashem, um, a thousand years is like, is like one day. Okay, so Sunday for Hashem is a thousand years. Monday is another thousand years. And based on that, Chazal say, Shis, have a alma. The world is here for 6,000 years. 
And then comes the Shabbos and whatever is going to happen afterwards, the, the worlds are going to be elevated into a different kind of an existence, but and now we're 5,782. So we're creeping up towards the end of 6,000. We're less than 220 away. And this includes messianic time. So, um, okay, so now we have 6,000 year chunk. Now, how many generations are there during the 6,000 years? Generations of people. So he brings another another interesting idea. And this is from the Cheskuni. He brings it from Dazakena Mibali Atosvis. is one of the commentators of the Tosvos on on the uh, on Chumash. Uh, I opened up this Chumash and I couldn't find the Dazakenim from the Balatosvis, but instead I found the Cheskuni and he says the same thing. Okay, this is on in Genesis in Parshas Lech Lecha in Bereshis. Over there, Hashem, by the Brisbane of Sarna, by the covenant amongst the pieces, it says, and When a God is talking to Abraham, he tells him the fourth generation. He's telling him how the Jews are going to be exiled in Egypt for three generations. The fourth generation is coming back. So he wants to reconcile it with 400 years because God promised Avram that the exile will be 400 years. So how do you count 400 years? And then, so basically he says, the amount of time for one generation is 100 years. You want to know what's, what's considered a generation? 100 years. We think a generation is much less. You know, today they make every day something other generation. You got the baby boomers and you have the, 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 the then you have the, what do they call today? The Z, the, the, the Z the, I forgot what they call them. The, the, the every few, uh, you know, they, they, the, the, the next generation, the millennials, and then there is the next one. and the, So we count like almost like every 10 years, another generation. But um, according to Torah, it's 100 years. Again, it's, he brings other opinions because he makes, he actually makes three amazing calculations, but I'm just going to stick with one of them. Okay. So 100 generation, I'm sorry, 100 years is a generation. So in 6,000 years, how many generations do we have? 60. Because 60 times 100 is 6,000. So the span of generations for 6,000 years, 60 generations. Now the 600,000 souls come down in each generation. That means this concept of 600,000 Jewish souls didn't, obviously, according to this, didn't start with Abraham. It was there in this world. It has to always be there in the world. As we know, Adam included all the 600,000 souls inside of him. Maybe maybe Noah also had the 600,000. So we don't exactly know who, what, where, and when, even though Jews were not yet established as a Jewish people in this world. But the concept of the 600,000 souls were always are always here. In that sense, in that sense, so these souls come down 60 times. Because they come down each time, 600,000 souls, for 60 journeys, through each time 100 years for the 60 generations of all of history. Okay, got it? Now we need a, <laughs> when Mashiach will come, we're gonna need to be able to facilitate those 600,000 souls, but we're gonna need to be able to collect all the bodies of all the six 
of all the 60 times the bodies were facilitating the souls. And his cool idea is that all these bodies turn into one body. That means every body is a body that it contains 60 bodies. So it's going to be one person, but the one person is going to hold, meaning it's that body times 60. And that's the significance of 200 cubits. Why? Very simple calculation. He brings a, ta- a passage in the Talmud of Masechtis Erevin, in where it says that the height of a human being is three cubits. Today's days, height. Height of the average height of the human, three cubits. Well, according to some, the cubits are, uh, as we spoke earlier, 18 inches. Okay, that would be a little bit on the shorter side. Um, if we say, according to another opinion, it's a cubit is two feet, that's six feet. So between five and six feet, most average being humans, the height of most people, a little shorter, taller. But it's three cubits. Tosva says, however, that does not include the head. Oh, it does make sense. Wait, if we say 18 inches, it doesn't make sense. One and a half cubits, three would be four and a half without the head. Okay. How much is the head? So, again, Tosva says that when the Gemara says three cubits is the height of the person, it's not including the head. It's from the shoulders and down. How tall is the head? So he brings, again, according to him, he, he He's not, he's not doing any research scientific data. He's not standing there with, he's, he's only using Torah sources. So in Torah sources, he finds that the head is a 10th of the body. Again, I'm not, I'm not uh, talking over here. If this, if this works out accurately, if you're going to take your measurements and figure this out, but the head is a 10th of the body. So if the body, the rest of the body is three cubits, what would be a tenth of three cubits? A third of a cubit. Three times three times three is nine. And I guess the, the tenth would be on the outside. Including this, it will be 10 pieces, 10 even pieces, 10 even measurements. So, it's 3.3 is the height of the human body today. Make 3.3 times 60. When 3.3 times 60 comes out to be 200 cubits tall. So therefore he says, since we have 60 generations, in the 60 generations of the same 600,000 souls, but everybody is going to have to come back. And these bodies are going to merge together. So that's why the body is going to be 60 cubits tall to facilitate the six. And, 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 and everybody is going to have 60, 60 of the, and that's the height of the 600. And that's how we get to this measurement of, of 200 cubits. Again, this is only according to Rebbe Mayer. And um, he goes off to explain another, another explanation. If we say a generation is only 70 years, which according to many uh, comment, commentators, a generation is considered only 70 years, he makes another ma- mathematical equation. And then he does another equation, uh, a third one. But this is, I, I thought it was really, it was just, and I kind of, 
a, 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 an interesting take on the height of the human being being six. The future body, including everybody, is going to be 60 bodies. And that's the height of 200 cubits so that it can facilitate all the generations that hosted the soul. Cool. Okay. Now, however, I'm going to take you back into the back to the Talmud and back to this discussion and back to the argument between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Meir. And let's um, let's 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 uh, uh, this you know um, delve a little deeper and and um, disassemble it and put it all together again. Just a couple of questions. So we have this argument. Rameir Rabbi Huda. Rameir says Kaimemius means double height, twice the height of Adam. Rabbi Huda says Kaimemius means only one height of Adam. But the obvious question is one thing is clear. When Rabbi Huda says that the height of, of, um, of man is going to be 100 cubits. And he derives it from the temple, from the Heichal. That's not according to Rabbi Yehuda, the meaning of the word Kaimemius. In other words, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Kaimemius is not referring to the Heichal. Or let me put it in other words. Rabbi Yehuda is not saying, oh, Ramea learned... I mean, one way of learning this argument, the simple way of learning this argument would be as follows. Rabbi Meir says we learn it out from the height, the, the, the future height of the human is derived from our verse over here in Pashas Bechukosa. And we're here in, in, uh, in, the, in our Pasuk. And Rabbi Huda says, no, this Pasuk is not talking about the future height of man. But we have a different verse in, in Psalms. And the Pasuk in Tehillim is talking about that the daughters are going to be like the cornerstones of the Hechel. Which means the height is going to be like the like the like the temple, and uh, we learn it out from there. That possibly could be the argument. He says you learn it from here, and he says you learn it from there. So uh, what's his name? Uh, Remeir compares it to Adam's height, and Rabbi Yehuda compares it to the height of the Hech. Can't say that because from the way the Gemara puts it down, if you look at the Talmud. It seems like Rabbi Yehud is also coming to explain the word komemius. In other words, Rabbi Yehud is not saying, you know, I'm dismissing komemius. That, that's not talking about future height. That's that's not, you're going to be walking with an upright posture. That, that's, oh, like we said earlier, it's talking about, I took you out of Egypt and you were in an upright posture. It's not talking about the height of human in the future. Because from the Gemara, when the Gemara lays out the words, when the Talmud says, the opening words. Let me let me read the, let me read the Talmud again, just to look at the words a little bit. The Gemara makes an introduction. It quotes the verse. I will lead you, Kaimemius. Rabbi Meir says two hundred cubits, like the two heights of Adam. Rabbi Yehuda says hundred of. So it's clear from here that Rabbi Yehuda is not just arguing with Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda is also interpreting Kaimemius. At the Kaimemius. That 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 a hundred cubits is an interpretation of what it means. I will lead you, Kaimemius, in an upright posture. But Rabbi Huda says it's not two, it's one. But not that he's ignoring this verse completely and running to Psalms and running to Tehillim. The reason is very simple why, why Rabbi Huda couldn't drop this 
and, and, and just follow the Psalms, the Tehillim, for, for a simple reason. Because what does it say in Tehillim? In Tehillim it says that your daughters will be like the, like the, like the temple. But which temple are we talking about? We said earlier that only the second temple was two hundred cubit was was a hundred cubits tall. The first temple was short. So let's say Rabbi Yehuda says Rabbi Yehuda is looking through all of all of uh, scripture and he's trying to find where do we know the height of what we're going to be in the future, and he finds a verse comparing us to uh, comparing the human to the to the hechal, to the height of the hechal. From where does Rabbi Yehuda take that it's referring to the second temple, not the first temple? And more than that, who wrote Psalms? Psalms was written by King David, by David HaMelech. It's his songs. And David HaMelech, did he build a second temple? Or did he build the first temple? He didn't build the first temple, but he created the whole architecture for the first temple, the whole design. He received it directly from Nasan HaNavi, right? And then the, the, uh, the, the, the Navi, the prophet, came to him and he gave him the special document of how the structure of the Beis HaMikdash needs to be. So when David HaMelech is singing about your daughters being like the temple, David's image is the first temple, not the second temple. So therefore, we can't say, according to Rabbi Yehuda, that he's literally, when Rabbi Yehuda says, like the temple, Rabbi Yehuda actually means that the height is derived from the temple. Ah. Rabbi Yehuda is saying the same like Rabbi Meir. When it said that we were actually the height of man in the future, we learn out from the verse in Leviticus and, and over here of Ayikra, where it says, the only thing he's arguing is that it's not double the height, it's singular height, not twice. So what we're going to have to say is, we're going to read it as if it says it in the singular term, not in the plural. is plural, Rabbi Yudas says, because it says over there that it's, so Rabbi Yudas is going like this. We learn it out because it says, the height, and the height is the height of man, the height of Adam. And that height should be 100. Now, it should really be 200, like Rabbi Meir proves. But Rabbi Yudas has another verse. Since there's another verse that says that the person is going to be as tall as the Heichal. So from that second verse, all the second verse does is that it forces us to re-examine the word komemius and not read it in the plural that it means double height. It means only singular height. And now we have no problem that why we're using the second temple, not the first temple. Because we're not using the second, we're not using the, the, you know, the, 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 the fact that we're not comparing man's height to the temple. Man's height is compared to what? To man, to the human, to Adam, from the word Kamimiyas. The second verse from Psalms is only using, is only being used as a negator that we can't say it's going to be twice Adam's height because here it says compared to the temple. Oh, we know it's Adam and it's the temple. So we're forced to say the temple means the second temple. So there it was 100. It matches Adam's height. And the two verses work out really well. Komamios, the height of Adam. But we're not, we're gonna, we, we take out the vav. It's as if it says koimimis in the singular. 
And then we compare the Heichal, the height of the Heichal, which the height of the Heichal is what? A hundred. We're going to say it's the second temple. And then, but the main, the main, the main place we learn it from, of course, even according to Rabbi Yehuda, is from the word Kaimimimus. Okay. Once we've established that both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda are both deriving the height of man from a verse in our parsha from Kaimimimus, the only argument is now: Are we reading it as double height, or are we reading the word as if it would be singular? If that's the case, this will lead us to a few problems in the passage of the Talmud. What? If, if this would really be the interpretation of the Talmud, of the Gemara, then there's a few things that are a little, it doesn't read well, and I'll tell you why. Let's see. Again, Reb Meir says 200 like the two heights of Adam. Rabbi Yehuda, what does Rabbi Yehuda say? I'm reading you from the Gemara. Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Meya Ama, a hundred cubits. Keneged Heichal Aksalav, corresponding to the Heichal. Shouldn't Rabbi Yehuda say first? And not just shouldn't he say first, he doesn't say anywhere one height of Adam. Should have said that. Rabbi Yehuda, corresponding to one height of Adam, because that's the main argument. Rameyer says, means two heights, double height of Adam. And Rabbi Yehuda argues, and he says, that's the main argument. Rabbi Yehuda says, 100 cubits, corresponding to the one, one, one measure of height of Adam. How do you know? And now, now he has to bring a proof. How do you know um, it's that? Because Rabbi Yehuda is problematic. What's his problem? Rameyer fits better in the verse because it says, double. And Rabbi Yehuda is negating, negating that. He has to bring you a proof. And now he also will bring you the verse that says that, that, that the daughters are going to be the height of the Heichal. That would fit. If that's what it would mean, if that's what the Talmud would mean, then he should have written it that way. Rabbi Yehuda, the first thing Rabbi Yehuda should have said was a hundred cubits keneged corresponding one height of Adam. Okay. Question number two. When Rabbi Yehuda says keneged um, the word keneged is not just from the word keneged, it, it seems to imply that the height of man being a hundred is not just compared to Adam's height. And from the Heichal we learn out, from the temple we learn out that it's not twice the height, it's only once the height, like we're trying to argue. Keneged, the word, seems to imply that the height of man matches the Heichal. In other words, the height of the Heichal is actually a reason why that 100 cubits. So according to the, the interpretation that we're trying to learn now, the, 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 um, what, what we are deriving from the, the, the verse in Psalms that compares the height of man to the, or compares the human structure to the Heichal is, is not in any way significant to the height of, 
to the height of a person. It's it's there's two different things. This is a building, and this is and this is a human's height. Two completely separate elements. It's only an indication. It's only coming to prove something. It's not twice height, it's only one height. But it's not because there is some inner resemblance between the human and the building and the structure. Two separate things. What is the connection between human height and a building site? Like, other than what we said earlier, you have to make sure that the building is taller than the person, that he can go into it. Right? Other than that, like what, like, what connection would there be? But from the words that Rabbi Huda chooses to say, he says, Keneged And not only does he say it, but he says it immediately. Imagine if Rabbi Huda would have said like this, Rabbi Huda a hundred cubits, he should have right away said, and he would have brought the verse, which verse, um, or the chsiv, as it says in the Pasuk, or he says, over here. and then he would derive you should have said it at the end. Then we would recognize that his comparison to the Hechal was a very secondary thing. It's only, it's only a sign. It's not, it's not a reason. But from this that Rabbi Yehuda puts both the word Keneged. Keneged means opposing or corresponding. And that he puts it immediately. Keneged Hechal Uksalov is implying that the comparison to the temple is not only as a indicator or a proof, but rather it has content as well. The human height to be as tall as the Hechal is because the human should be, there's, or something, some kind of a reasoning, why is the human height 100? Rabbi Huda is deriving it from the Hechal, not just as a proof, but as a reason as well. So we need to understand why, what's the connection? Especially since, as we said earlier, especially since, as we said earlier, when the verse says, Komamius, in the verse, I will lead you an upright, both according to Rebbe and Rebbe Yehuda, we, it says, I will lead you in, a, in an upright posture. It's both referring to Adam. In other words, it's not like Komamius means height. The question is, which height? Rameir says Adam, and Rabbi Yehuda says, no, the height of the Hechel, the height of a building. According to Rameir, it's the height of a person, and according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's the height of a building. No. Both agree it's the height of, of Adam. The question is only one height of Adam or two heights of Adam, like we proved earlier. If that's the case, why doesn't Rabbi Yehuda say that? Why doesn't Rabbi Yehuda say, Keneged, as we spoke earlier, Keneged Adam Arishon, Keneged the height of Adam. If he believes that way, which we proved earlier, it has to be that way. So then why doesn't he say that? And, and, and the truth is, the question is not only on, on Rabbi Yehuda. The question is in Tehillim. The question would be on King David. King David also learned scripture. I'm sorry. King David also learned uh, the five books of Moshe. Chumash. David HaMelech knows what it says in Chumash. In Chumash it says, that Hashem will lead us in the height, which, was where, which we're saying 
that the meaning of the height is like the height of Adam. So if if Torah is comparing the height of of the man in the future, the hundred cubits or the two hundred cubits, whatever it is, but we're measuring it by the height of a human. Why would why would the the Tehillim come? Why would Psalms come? Why would King David and Psalms come and change it and and use the height? We're talking the same hundred cubits. So why compare it to the height of man and not? I'm sorry. Why would why would the um, the, the and Tehillim come and change and speak and, and measure the height of the human of the future and compare it to the Heichal, not to the height of, of what it says in the Torah? Why why is the Tehillim doing that? Obviously, there must be a deep reason why the two should be related, but we need to understand what that is. And to continue the 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 same reason of of questioning, you know the. The comparison of a human height to a human makes a lot of sense because we're dealing we're dealing with human height. So if you're looking, you know, how tall is a human? So you say like this, like oh, you want to say you'll be a giant, so you'll find a human giant. You know, you're not saying he's tall like a skyscraper because what's the connection? This is a building and this is a person. Why should you even compare it? The comparison should be to a human, and which human? Adam Arisha makes a lot of sense because he's the first human. That's the original man, and we all come from him. And one day we will go back being as tall as Adam, reflecting the same spiritual heights that Adam, and that will that will reflect in our physical bodies. That makes sense. But what kind of ideas to 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 compare a human to a building? Again, all this question is all according to Rabbi Yehuda. And finally. Remember the beginning of the class quite a while ago um, when we asked the question, even according to Rebbe Mayer, Rebbe Mayer says it's twice the height of Adam. We asked the question, how does Rebbe Mayer know it's the word kamemios means double, double height. Maybe it's double the height of people today. Well, what was the explanation we gave earlier? What the Marsha says? The Marsha says that it's obvious it means Adam Arisha. Because it can't be that when God is going to perfect the human being in the future, that the human is going to be any less than Adam. So the verse is only telling you that it's two times Adam. In other words, we really don't even need a verse. Without any verses, if we have to guess, if we are told that, you know, humans are going to be one day recreated by God, and therefore they're, and, you, and someone, a little child is there, and he says, how tall will they be? No, good question. Is God making us exactly the same, or is he going to make us, like, more impressive? What would you tell the child? So the Marsha says, the obvious answer is no less than what the perfect human was back then. 100 cubits. So then we don't even need a verse to begin with. We don't need a need a puzzle. There's no need to tell us any verse. Rebbe Mayer, the reason why we have Rebbe, according to Rebbe Mayer, it's okay. Because Rebbe Mayer is saying it's not one, it's double. Ah, that's what the verse is saying. You would think one height. The, the condition of the human being is going to be twice the stature of others. It's going to be double the height. Oh. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, who learns that the height of Adam is the height of man in the future is actually only going to be like Adam. And for that, he has two verses. One in Koimimios, which Koimimios means the one height of Adam. And the other verse that he derives it from is he compares it to the Hechal to tell you that it's one. one. If it's only one, the verse shouldn't tell anything. 
that we know. We know that the human is going to be at least as high as Adam. That's a simple, that's a simple thing. The Marsha wants to say that the, that that they actually the verse in the verse in Tehillim is needed. The second verse, the verse in Tehillim, is actually needed only for the women, not for the men. Because you can say the man is when Adam was a man, what was his height? Woman, we don't know what their height is. Eve not necessarily was as tall as Adam. We don't know. Her height, we don't know. So the verse has to tell you that even, even the women will also be a hundred cubits tall. That's meaning binoseinu, the daughters ketavnasef. But from that's the Marsha's explanation, but from the simple meaning of the Gemara implies that this whole discussion is not just about the women. It seems to be a discussion about the human being in general, how tall will they be? Men and women. So again, the question, we go back to the question. For Rabbi, According to Rabbi Huda, why do you even need any verse? If you're going to say it's twice the thing, okay, that we need to be told. But once the height of Adam, we're we, 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 we deriving that already on our own. And if we can't derive it on our own, then we can't derive it from the verse either. Because as we said earlier, it says twice, two heights. Maybe two heights, uh, as we said, our height. So the, the fact that it's twice the height of Adam anyways, we're assuming is something that we're uh, just assuming based on, on, the, on our own svara, on our own understanding, not from a verse. But if that's the case, why, according to Rabbi Huda, why is that necessary? All of this leads us to a very, very beautiful answer and deep understanding of this whole thing. This is in a talk from the Lubavitcher Rebbe in Lakuti Sichus in the seventh volume, a phenomenal explanation in this whole thing. Obviously, as I mentioned earlier, the physical height is a reflection of the spiritual power. Why was Adam Arishon 100 cubits tall? Adam Arishon was 100 cubits tall because we all have 10 faculties in our soul. We have we have chachma, intellect. Uh, the, the the intellect has three 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 faculties or three powers called chachma, wisdom, bina, understanding, das, knowledge. And then there are the seven emotional attributes: chesed, gevurah, teferes, netzachod, yesod, malchus. These are the ten powers of the soul. And in with these ten powers, we are a imitation of God. Because it's God created us in his image. And the image is really the image of the, the human soul. The body is only a is only a receptacle. The body is a is a keli, is a vessel. But it's really the human soul that's in the image of God. So the human soul has these ten, ten powers corresponding because God also manifests and, 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 and emanates from himself ten attributes through which he projects himself to the world. And in that very image, he created our soul. We know that each one of those 10 faculties have 10, have the other 10 inside of them. So Chachma, for example, has Chachma of the Chachma and the Bina of the Chachma and the Das of the Chachma, the Chesed of the Chachma, the kindness of the wisdom, the might or the power of the wisdom, the Gevura of the wisdom. It's literally what we do in Sphira Sa'omer now. Every night we're counting and every night we're specifying this 49 days. And there, see, spheres of Omer, we're not dealing with the three intellectual powers because we're working on our emotions. Our emotions are comprised of seven. 
Seven primary emotions. But each emotion, why is it 49 days? Because each emotion has subcategories. The nuances of the emotion. For example, in kindness, you can, when you're, you're feeling loving towards someone, which is the emotion of kindness, loving and giving, you can, there is the giving of the giving. And sometimes because you're kind to someone, there is a withholding out of kindness. That means when you love your children very much, but you don't want to spoil them, so you withhold, even though it's hard, but it's coming out of immense love. And actually sometimes the gavura of the chesed is even a deeper element expression of the kindness than the chesed of the chesed. You know, giving the, giving the, 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 the child a 10th piece of chocolate already in the last half an hour is not going to show so much kindness as actually saying no to the child and having the child, you know, maybe throw a temper tantrum, but you're not giving them the, you know, child... <laughs> has to be disciplined. So, and it's all both love. So you understand how each, and the same is with Gevura. The Gevura has chesed in it and so on and so forth. In Sphira Sa'omer, we illustrate the, all this in the emotional arena. In, 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 but that's only on the seven. So seven times seven is 49. But if we also count the intellectual faculties. So then we have 10. But not seven times ten, or not ten times seven. We're dealing with ten, ten powers, and each of the ten having all ten inside. So we're really taking the intellect and the emotions together, which is really the full structure. So the full structure, both of the human being down here and the divine being above, is a hundred. So we can say somehow something like this the reason why we are small today and not physically big our physical um petiteness and smallness and and uh is an indication that our powers of our our true human qualities and human godly powers are not today fully developed and fully active and as, as a result of that our bodies are also in a shrunken state in a very mitigated state because our entire persona is mitigated. We're not really shining our true talents and our true selves. Our intellect is not at its full prowess, at its full power of what our intellect to be. Our kindness is very, very compromised today. Our capacity to love, our capacity to, 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 to persevere, our capacity to give thanks. Severely, we can... Maybe I have a little bit of thanks and acknowledgement, but to have the depth of acknowledgement, the nuances of it. So everything today is very short, very short and very, very, very brief. It's not developed. It's not colorful. When he was created, his 10 faculties and all of his aspects of the soul were a full-blown expression. So for that, it needed 100 cubits of body to really facilitate. The 100 cubits of body corresponded to the 100 powers of the soul. The 10 times 10 of the soul. What is the novelty going to be when Mashiach comes? The novelty is going to be when Mashiach comes is that today's day, that in the past, even Adam, who had the, 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 the hundred qualities, the 10, the 10 qualities of his soul fully, fully manifest. And that's why he was at that height. That was all a gift from God. God gifted him with a soul. Like we said earlier, God created him with the image of the image of, of, of himself. And all Adam needed to do was to allow those godly gifts to shine forth. 
Now, that takes work as well. But it wasn't his own production. He didn't, Adam didn't make himself. God made him. So all those qualities were just a, a it's called a flow from above. The double height that the human being is going to have when Mashiach is going to come is going to be because as a result of the darkness and the fall and the sin and the disconnect, we, in addition to us being working on revealing our innate godly powers, we also create from below a whole new divine structure. This is the concept which is discussed many times that there's the difference between the tzaddik and the balchuvah. The tzaddik is the person who is following in God's ways and is a person who never damaged his soul and the lights and the powers of his soul, his divine intelligence, his or her divine emotions have never been tarnished or never been blocked or never been clogged. And all their life, they're just, you know, they've always made good choices and they didn't disrupt the flow of their divine being. But then you have a person who's wrecked every element of their soul to the point that nothing of their godly self is functioning. Everything got, everything got damaged. That's what happens. The soul can get damaged as well as a result of our misuse, our souls of our corrupted, sometimes of corrupted ways and so on, of sinfulness and so on and so forth. It causes blemishes. And the soul, the soul in its inside, deep inside, doesn't get ruined, but its outer ability to express itself into the body is blocked. So how does a person like that repent? And how does a person like that come back to God? So it's explained that the beauty of the balchuv, of the penitent, is that the penitent is actually discovering the godly qualities from within the darkness itself, from within their body, from within their human self. Because ultimately, even our humanity, not our, just our soul, our godly, even our humanity, even the physical world is also the handiwork of God. And in it is the is the is the in it is the is the DNA of Hashem. And so therefore, if you dig deep even to our human psyche and our forget about our godly soul that is completely a piece of him from above, but when we unearth the qualities of ourselves, we discover the godly qualities that are in, and then we can reconstruct ten powers. And that these ten powers are a different nature of ten powers, they're called ten powers of returning light. In Kabbalah, there is a concept called um, direct light and returning light, or or yashar and or chozer. Or yashar means emanation from above, or chozer means rebounding light coming from below. So it's explained that the concept of ten sefirot, ten attributes, exists on two levels. There is ten sefirot as God emanates them, and there are ten sefirot as they reflect backwards from the creation back to God. If, and if we say that the 10 are really 100, so there is 100 of lights emanating from, from the divine downward, and there is 100 lights emanating from our toils and effort upward. There's the 10, there's the 100 spherot that are stimulated by the tzaddikim, that tzaddik is just like a flow, a download of the divine. And then there are the, the, the 10 spherot which include a hundred that are not that are uploaded by our efforts, not downloaded. They're uploaded from us back towards God. We from within our own darkness, without without the revelation. Because when a person already disconnected their Wi-Fi, how are they suddenly getting excited again? How are they getting involved again? It's because they're just 
they're wallowing in their darkness until they, within their own pain and misery, they discover that life can't be just failure. Deep inside, I have to have a connection to God. And they uncover the embedded hidden sparks. But these sparks are not considered that they're coming from above. These are our labor. These are, we're mining our own gold. We're revealing our own human capacity, which is really the deeper, the deepest sparks of the divine that is hidden and embedded. And when we uncover that, we, we construct the 10 attributes, kindness and severity and perseverance and royalship, royalty and, and glory and wisdom. And so on. It's like it's like the it's like the wisdom that's street smarts. It comes from the world. It doesn't come from you know someone who's been learning it from a teacher who's been hearing tradition, hearing some saintly rabbi teaching. But someone through their own work, from their own uh, process of negation of living life and seeing all everything that's going on, and from there they come to an understanding of God. They build the wisdom from within themselves, from within the world. These are two powers. Adam was only created with one because he was, he was still a tzaddik. He was still the original creation. So he had a hundred powers. We're going to have a double human. And every single person when Mashiach comes is going to contain both these powers. We're going to be on the one hand, our initial godliness in which we are supposed to be a download, a channel for divinity is going to be restored. Because once God is going to recreate us, he's going to re-emanate into our souls his divine attributes, which is going to reflect in our godly attributes all the way into our body. And that's going to be the hundred powers. And therefore, it's going to take a hundred cubits of a human being's body to reflect that godliness that is emanating from above equal to the way it was in Adam. But our future selves are also going to reflect, reflect the, the, the human that we created through all of our tshuva, through all of our repentance, through all of our work, building ourselves up from the bottom up. And that Adam didn't have. That's us because we're the bal tshuva. We've recreated and God takes all of that. And when he builds us, he, he's building us from the download and the upload of these hundred hundred of these hundred powers, so we're going to have 200 cubits. Now, Reb Meir and Rabbi Yehuda both agree to this concept. That the human being of the future is going to have the qualities of, of, of the of the, of the or yashar of the direct light and the qualities of the or chayzer of the, of, the, of the reflecting or the rebounding light. The light coming from below upward. We're going to have both. And here's where I'd mentioned to you in the beginning, but Rabbi Yehuda is going much deeper than Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says, usually you see most people, most people are kind of, are kind of relegated to one of these paths. There are people who are very good as channels. They live their lives as channels. As we said earlier, tzaddikim. from the get-go, their, their soul is so obvious in them and their Yetzirah for whatever reason, of course, it's their work also, but also whatever, their Yetzirah has always remained kind of not, their evil inclination has never really been able to tackle them. So from their very get-go in their life, they're just a beacon of light. From when they're a little child, they're a saint. A tzaddik or a tzaddikis. And they're, they're, they're just a beautiful human being. And these people operate primarily as channels for light from above. There isn't much tshuva going on in their life because they don't need it. There's, 
Godliness is so accessible to them. There's always new innovation and new insight. They're just like a channel, like literally like a faucet of holiness flowing through them. And then there are the darker human beings, the human beings that, that, that don't, they didn't do well in school. They were dropouts. They ended up, <laughs> they ended up when they were teenagers already, already arrested a couple of times. They had a whole rap sheet with the cops. They had a whole, and then, then, then from their jail cells, I'm just giving that as an extreme example, from their jail cells, from deep inside that, that pit of darkness, they did some deep, deep, deep soul searching and deep, and they come out and they become such positive forces in the world. And they can meet with the most corrupted, ruthless criminals, and even in them reveal a spark of the divine by speaking to them and telling them their story of success. You have these people. It's unbelievable. And, and, and we marvel at their ability, at their strength to construct themselves from nothing, from the death. When it was the, everything of them was completely, they became, they were, all the godliness that was originally put in them disintegrated. And they kind of, from the earth, built themselves up. And each one of these have a quality. There's a certain purity of light, purity that's only to be found in the tzaddik. These people, you know, when they'll talk, their talk is a little bit more... You know, it doesn't have the refinement of the violin. Of the, you know, it doesn't have that because they've, you know, they have a whole different language. You know, they, when, when they can be conveying very, very beautiful things, but you can hear in it a little bit the coarseness because they've come from the coarseness. They have the lingo. They know the, they know the language of the street language. And precisely because of that, they can relate to the world to outside. But there's a certain lacking the finesse. It's lacking a certain sparkle that comes from the person who was never tainted, never jaded, never got, you know, it's just a pure, pure channel of light. A holy human being from the very, from the very get-go. But then there is a certain truth that you'll only get, a certain depth you'll only get from the people, the people that fought it out and found their way to God from within themselves. Because by them you realize it's so true. As opposed to others where, where you can argue that their lives being so godly is, has a lot to do with their circumstances. It's a little circumstantial. So this might be brighter, but this might this is more solid. The Balchuva. So there is a quality in both. But really, do you find one person that has both? It's either a person is in this mode or the person is in that mode. When Mashiach will come, because it's going to be the sum total and after the resurrection of all of our toil and our effort, we are all, each and every one of us, are going to have the qualities both of the tzaddik and the balchuba. We're going to have a personality that is going to reflect the, re, the, the, the purity, the purity of, 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 the, of the innocence, of the purity of the divine. And we're also going to have a personality that is going to that is going to reflect the truth of, of the struggle. So Remeyer, and, and that's going to be awesome. Remeyer says, we're going to be 200 cubits feet tall. You, one person is going to have both. That's unbelievable. Each and every one, that's a rear. And that's only going to be in the days of Mashiach. Till then, you don't have, today's days, we don't have a human being. You either belong to this group or you belong to that group. Two types of people in this world. When Shiach comes, we're all going to be have these two two human two personalities living together in one human. However, 
it's going to be two modes. According to Ramey, it's still going to remain two modes. Till 12 o'clock in the morning, we're in one mode, and then the time it gets to the afternoon, we're kind of flipping over to the other mode. In other words, depending when you catch the person, you can catch the person on, on a Monday, he's in one state of mind, and you catch him on a Tuesday, he's in another stage of mind. In other words, when you're looking at this person, which part of them are glowing? Their upper 100 cubits or their lower 100 cubits? It's going to be different times when, when different operation. Their intelligence, which they're speaking, is it the intelligence that they learned from below, or is it the intelligence that's coming from above? Which element of their, of their personality? So it's a double, it's a double hundred, but they're both occupying two, two parts of their body, reflecting that it's, 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 each one is existing as in its own space. And here's the depth of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda comes and Rabbi Yehuda says, no, the two converge together to the point that every single nuance in a person's life Every single detail of your life is going to contain both the flow of divinity from above and the and the and the and the the um, the strength of the toil and the effort coming from below. It's going to be completely merged together, and for that reason, you. Again, Rabbi Yehuda argues that oh, this is so good because according to this, you don't have to change coma meals. Coma meals remains plural. Two heights. But two heights occupying the same hundred cubits because every single one, every part, your chesed, your kindness is going to be the chesed of the tzaddik and the chesed of the balchuva together. It's going to have both the quality of divine light and human effort and toil. It's going to be both direct light coming from above and rebounding light coming from below. That's like totally impossible because it's either or. So according to Ram Mayer, it's the Chiddush is that the fact that one person will be able to, to, to have these two modes, that too is awesome. But it's still relegated to two separate experiences. One day like this, one hour like this, one hour like that. However, you're gonna, it's going to be divided. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, both of them converging to becoming utterly one? How does that happen? It's Rabbi Yehuda says, that's what Rabbi Yehuda says. We derive it from the Hecha. He doesn't only mean we learn it out technically from the Hecha. He's deriving this idea because it's the same concept was in the temple. When the temple was built, Rabbi Huda is not comparing the height, the hundred cubits. Yeah, the hundred cubits of the Hechal was both a hundred cubits of light from above and, and elevation from below. Where do you see that? Regarding the temple, it says, regarding the temple, it says, V'asuli Migdash, that's all you need. You make for me a temple and I will dwell in it. So what does that mean? It's one verse. And, that, and, and what that means is like this. English means you're making. It's human toil. It's not. The temple didn't come down from heaven. The third temple is going to come down from heaven. But even there you see there's two opinions. It's coming from heaven, it's being made from below, it's both, both, <laughs> same idea. But over here, 
the, te- the first temple, the, the Mishkan, and the, the, it wasn't made in heaven. It was made through human bricks and, and not bricks. They took stones and, and, and it was human toil. And then you'll say, and then God says, I will dwell in it. So it's two, and then God comes down and dwells in it. So it's like human effort and godliness converged together much deeper than that. The when you're making it, you're already making holiness. You're making a mission. When we were building the temple, we were building a temple that is at the same time the dwelling of God. Because our actions were imbued with God's actions. It wasn't even two separate things in the temple. Where do you see that? So, for instance, this, this, this literally was expressed in one of the miracles that were in the temple. When they built the ark in the temple, the Oron, the Oron, we know every physical, we live in time and space. That's our properties. God obviously is outside of time and space. We live in time and space. Everything we do is within the, within the, within the paradigm, of, within the structure of time and space. So when, whenever we're building anything, it, it has spatial um, um, properties. So they built an ark. And we built the ark with the physical properties of, phys- of the physical world, which is it takes up space. Not only, and it wasn't only because we have no choice, because if we're doing something carpentry with a piece of wood, it's going to have to occupy space. We can't, you know, break out of space. They didn't have that ability to do so. They're humans. No, no, no. God is commanding them that you have to put your human your human world into my temple, which means you got to build a temple, a ark, where the ark occupies two and a half cubits was its length. One and a half cubits was its width. But we also know that the, spa- that the ark didn't occupy space. When they put the ark down, the Aron in the Holy of Holies, literally it didn't occupy space because the whole room was 10 cubits. In the in the tabernacle, in the in the, in the temple, it was a little different. But I'm, I'm going to use the tabernacle, ten cubits, and the and 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 the and the ark was two and a half cubits. Let let's say this table was the whole was the was the was the tabernacle, the whole width. So let's say this is ten cubits. Let's take this book was the ark. So this book, let's say, is two and a half cubits, just for the argument. So then, if that's the case, so you have um, uh, uh, ten and a half minus two and a half is seven and a half cubits. Divide seven and a half. So it's, I think, three and three quarters here. Three and three quarters here. So if you would have taken a measuring a, 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 a tape or a ruler or whatever and put this in over here and go from here to the wall, you would have three and three quarters and here three and three quarters and over here two and a half. I don't know if my math is good, but that's kind of, you get the idea. That, that's, that's what it would have been, but that's not what it was. If you measured from here to the wall, you had five. You measured from here to the wall, you had five. You measure the whole thing at the sea. Imagine you have four people at the same time standing there with, with, with tape measures. One of them is measuring from wall to wall, getting 10. This guy is measuring from here to here, he's getting five. He's measuring from here, he's getting five. This guy is measuring here, he's getting two and a half. So this two and a half cubits is in the room. It's two and a half cubits, but it's not within, within space. Somehow there's a convergence of the divine and the human and, and the creation over here in a, myster- in a mysterious way. The infinite and the finite have merged together. And it's not like they made an own that takes up space. And then afterwards, the divine came and knocked the space out of it. Like a spaceless ent- 
power came in and overwhelmed it. That's not what happened. When they built the Mishkan, it was built in a way they, what does that mean? That their actions were both human and divine at the same time. It was both coming from earth and coming from heaven at the same time. That's the beauty of the base on the Mishkan. The Mishkan is this perfect fusion. Now, man can't do that. Adam, Adam was a great person. Human, the concept of human represents a certain design. And everything that has a certain design has to work with certain rules and regulations. And rules and regulations, you have certain systems and certain systems clash with other systems. So therefore, Rabbi Huda is saying, the uniqueness of the human being of the future, you can't compare him to Adam. Yeah, it is the two heights of Adam, but Adam as Adam as being Adam, man as being man, inevitably is is, is locked in, in a certain structure and a certain system. And therefore, it can't be yes and no at the same time. It can't be at the same time the purity from above and the work from below. It can't be, it's either up or down. Why did, which one is it? These are two opposite qualities. You can't have them together. It's impossible. Oh, so you can have the two heights, the two heights, but the two heights like Reb Meir, each one separate. But having them both together, you can't. The Heichal, that was outside of any system. And the Heichal was actually what allowed for the Heichal, what allowed for the temple to, to have that quality. It's because the essence of God himself is outside of all systems, not bound by any system, above all boundaries and above all systems. And he can do whatever he wishes, even to combine the absolute impossible, even to bring together what just cannot make logically sense. And yet to him, it, and that's the Hechel. The Hechel reflected God's very essence. And therefore, Rabbi Yehuda is saying that both these, there's a hundred and a hundred, and they're both the same hundred. And from where does he derive it? Keneged Heichal. He learns it from the Heichal. So it's both. It's Adam. And again, it's both structures of Adam, but converged as one, which Adam can't do it. The Heichal does do it. The temple does it. Rabbi Yehuda brings the temple. Now we'll also understand why the first one was Rabbi Meir and the second one was Rabbi Yehuda. We're just going to conclude with this. The difference of the word mayor and Yehuda is mayor means light. Or mayor means the source of light. Or light, mayor means he illuminates. Yehuda comes, means submission. Yehuda comes from the word submission. And here's the amazing, amazing idea. Those people who are living in the world of revelation, the world of light, in the realm of divine light, which means divine projection, which is not the divine essence, divine revelation, over there are certain rules and regulations. Even though there can be both finite and infinite, up and down, there can be both, but they, they'll both be separate. They can't be totally one. In the world of revelation, each one is, is in its own realm. Only in the essence of God, there is no contradictions at all. It can be both like this and like that at the same time. Because he's perfect. Perfect oneness. And therefore everything is one. 
How do you touch God's essence? Not through illumination. You don't touch God's essence through illumination. You touch God's essence through simple, simple submission. When you submit and you say, Moda Ani, I acknowledge you and I submit to you, God, then you're, that submission reaches the essence. Understanding, um, illumination, all that is all great, but that's all the outside of God. The essence of God you touch only in submission. Yehuda means submission. Rebbe Yehuda, whose soul is etched, his entire service of God is submission. He can hear and sense the essence of Hashem and touch the essence of Hashem. And from the essence of God, he can take the two, the two modes of service and bring it into 100 cubits. In the same, the same 100, and it's both, it's both from God. It's both him and us at the same time. But from the world of Rebbe Meir, there are still certain restrictions. So even though one, Rebbe Meir says, the one human being is going to have both, but it's going to occupy two separate, two floors, the upper floor and the lower floor. And that's the secret of the human being when Mashiach comes. We will be so one with God. We will be totally ourselves and totally him at the same time. Uploading and downloading and the upload and the download will be inseparable. It's baffles the mind. I, I don't really get it, but I guess we'll see it when we'll, when we'll experience it. It's going to be totally us, our innovation, and totally yet God's truth coming through us. Pretty neat. So we have a lot to look forward to as a session. Meanwhile, we all can go get some really big pair of pants, some really <laughs> large clothing, and get ready for this awesome new human, the human of the future. Let it be already not so much in the future, let it be now. Thank you, everyone. Mashiach should be here now.